coming up next on the Passion Struck Podcast. So this is when I started um, suddenly finding someone called Chase Hughes. And Chase has got literally $30 million worth of government-backed research. He's trained um, you know, military operatives to a Jason Bourne, James Bond kind of level. And we chose to bring that kind of data into relationships and dating where people can identify if someone's narcissistic or psychopathic and know what to do if they've got a family member or if they've had children with a narcissist or whatever it might be. Also how to profile someone within six minutes or less so you can see if you're compatible with that person or not. And then also reading body language to see if someone's, you know, telling the truth basically and you can read someone's body language to the point where you're actually better and more accurate than a polygraph machine welcome visionaries creators innovators entrepreneurs leaders and growth seekers of all types to the passion struck podcast hi i'm john miles a peak performance coach multi-industry ceo navy veteran and entrepreneur on a mission to make passion go viral for millions worldwide And each week I do so by sharing with you an inspirational message and interviewing high achievers from all walks of life who unlock their secrets and lessons to becoming passion struck. The purpose of our show is to serve you, the listener, by giving you tips, tasks, and activities you can use to achieve peak performance and pursue the passion-driven life you have always wanted to have now. Let's become passion struck. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Passion Struck Podcast. Thank you, each and every one of you, for coming back every week to learn how to live better, be better, and impact our world. And if you're new to the show or you would like to introduce it to a friend or family member, we now have starter packs. These are collections of your favorite episodes, group by topic, to introduce you to everything that this show has to offer in one easy place. Just go to passionstruck.com slash starter packs to get started. And thank you so much when you do that. It means so much when you introduce the show to other people. And another great resource we have for doing that is our YouTube channel at John R. Miles, where we have over 200 different videos ranging from long form format, like these interviews, to two to five minute segments we call mindset moments. Just check it out on YouTube at John R. Miles. Today's guest is Lily Wolford, and let me tell you a little bit about her. Lily is an international dating coach who has been focused on how busy professionals can date safely and successfully using CIA-level behavioral analysis, profiling, and body language so that her clients can enjoy undeniable love that lasts. And in today's discussion, we talk about how she became a dating coach through her own dating experience, how she first found out about the importance of profiling and body language, and how she started to use that as a way to determine compatibility with dates she would go on and now is teaching others to do so. She gives such great advice on what to and what not to ask on a first date, how you can tell if someone is approachable just by looking at them either online or if you're at a bar or a restaurant and their reaction and body language signals that they're giving you and so much more. Thank you for choosing Passion Struck and choosing me as your host and guide on unlocking a no regrets life. Now, let the journey begin. (music) 
I am so excited today to welcome Lily Wofford on the Passion Struck Podcast. Lily, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, God, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited about our conversation today. Well, I personally sought you out because I am getting a lot of questions from listeners about the need for relationship help. And I thought, what better person to bring on the show than someone who does just that, helps people connect. So I thought maybe a good starting point, though, before we really get into that is for people to understand, you know, how do you get into this line of work? Because I'm sure a lot of people don't go through middle school and high school saying, you know, someday I want to be a relationship coach or give dating advice. So, you know, I think the path to you getting there is probably one the listeners would enjoy hearing. Yeah, well, you know, doesn't everyone want to be a relationship and dating coach when they grow up? Um, but no, you're right. I, originally, my background was actually in accounting. So completely different background to what I'm doing now. But cut a long story short, uh, about 10 years ago, I was in a relationship that was highly narcissistic and borderline psychopathic. And the funny thing is you don't learn about relationships or those kind of personality disorders at school either. So (laughs) when uh, I was going through that kind of relationship, there was so many different things that were happening. Um, And a lot of people don't understand about narcissistic relationships in particular. They tend to be highly influential where they start chipping away at people's identities and, you know, a crazy whole host of things, which we'll probably dive into a bit later on. So I went through that kind of relationship. I was stalked for five years after that relationship. And I just kept on going into these awful rubbish relationships, you know, whether someone was emotionally unavailable, whether someone was cheating. And I couldn't quite figure it out because I had a fantastic childhood. And I thought, well, you know, surely having parents who've been together all their lives, you know, when would be enough and you know you'd learn enough about relationships to be able to create your own healthy relationship so back in 2017 I went through a horrific breakup you know when you're in the the relationship you think okay I've got everything sussed everything sorted you know you've got the house two amazing cars two great careers and uh, you're really seeing a future with someone and that relationship broke down for me and it got me really thinking again okay what is it that I really want in a relationship and also how do I get one that's healthy so I started looking into things like NLP hypnotherapy life coaching and it was great but I did feel like I was cut short you know so I sold short because it wasn't enough to keep me out of those type of relationships You know, it's like, for example, you can have a a sheep with fantastic self-confidence and fantastic self-worth. But if a wolf comes along, it's not going to go, I'm not going to eat that sheep. It's going to say, I'm a wolf. This is what I do. (laughs) So so this is when I started um, suddenly finding someone called Chase Hughes. And Chase has got literally $30 million worth of government-backed research. He's trained... Um, you know, military operatives to a Jason Bourne, James Bond kind of level. And we chose to bring that kind of data into relationships and dating where people can identify if someone's narcissistic or psychopathic and know what to do if they've got a family member or if they've had children with a narcissist or whatever it might be. 
also how to profile someone within six minutes or less. So you can see if you're compatible with that person or not. And then also reading body language to see if someone's, you know, telling the truth, basically. And you can read someone's body language to the point where you're actually better and more accurate than a polygraph machine. So this has helped me and also so many of my clients to create a relationship based on truth and trust, which has been so, so important to, you know, the core element of our work. Well, I think that's a great overview of how you got into this <laughs> and also leads into some of the things we're going to talk about. You know, when you and I spoke a number of weeks ago, um, I, I told you, you know, I've had two instances in my career where I was giving training on, on body language and, and a bit of profiling as well. One was when I went through interrogation school when I was in the military, because as you're interrogating someone, their body language can tell you so much, um, to your point. Um, as well as when I was at Arthur Anderson, we brought in a consultant to help people understand the intentions, specifically buying intentions that our clients would have. So that when you were meeting with them, you could understand by their body language, um, if they were being truthful to you, if they were giving you a signal that they were open to buying, um, other things that became very, very helpful in understanding their intent and how to approach the meeting as, as you were part of it. So I always like to ask, you know, how in the world did, did you discover like really this combination of profiling with understanding body behavior? Yeah, so <laughs> another cringy story coming. Um, so basically, when I went through all the NLP and all the hypnotherapy and all these different things, I thought it was it was fantastic, but it only took you so far. You know, you could build rapport with someone. You could, um, you know, yeah, basically heal yourself, make sure you had great self-confidence, great self-worth, all those different things. So I was single at the time and I jumped onto a dating site. And whilst I was on that dating site, started chatting to someone, had a couple of, you know, a couple of messages back and forth. And, you know, when you kind of get that feeling that it's just not going somewhere or that person's not quite right for you or whatever it might be. So left that conversation. Next day, they'd messaged me again, ignored it. Because I'd already closed off that conversation. And then the following day after that, I suddenly got uh, 12 pink roses arrived to my house. Now, bearing in mind, this person only had my first name and my profile picture. And somehow from that information alone, they managed to find out where I lived, which is quite scary, especially when you've had a stalker in the past of five years. So I knew... You know, it, it, it is scary. And, and I've had... Many friends who say they see someone's picture on one of these dating apps and all of a sudden they're, they show up in their Facebook as someone that they should connect with or, yes. you know, on Instagram. It's, it's amazing how much interconnection there is than we even realize. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think the thing that, that freaked me out the most at that point was knowing that the worst thing you can do with someone with that behavior type is to block them or to shut them down. Because as soon as you do that, you create a cat and mouse game. So it's like, okay, if they're not contacting you on the app, they're going to be able to reach out on Facebook, 
or Instagram or, you know, like I said, they had my address. You know, there's nothing stopping them suddenly turning up to my house. So I knew at that point I needed to know how to disengage in a way that was safe. And I was also coaching people at the time. And I knew that if if one of my clients got to that stage, you know, someone reaching out, stalking to them, I wanted to know exactly how to keep them safe as well. And uh, at the time, one of my friends was working for Chase Hughes as a trainer. And I sent them all the screenshots of the messages and the profile and everything. And uh, they actually forwarded them on to Chase for me. And I got information from Chase on exactly how to disengage with that person in a safe way. And the amazing thing was I wasn't rude to that person. I wasn't confrontational. It was just really freaking easy to do. I think it was probably about four or five messages I sent that person and suddenly they're disengaged. They weren't interested in pursuing me anymore. And it was from that point where I decided to go ahead and take one of Chase's courses and decide, okay, like learn all about profiling, learn about body language. And from there, I ended up partnering up in business with them. And I ended up meeting my partner, who's also into body language and profiling, and we do a lot of work together. We'll be right back to the Passion Struck Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Issue. I know for me, first impressions are everything. So if you're looking to impact your online content, you need Issue, the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital content. From marketing materials to magazines to flipbooks or brochures, Issue features your creative in an easy-to-view way on any device. What I truly love about it is I just make content one time and can distribute it everywhere. It is as simple as that, and your content is already optimized for engagement and ready to share. Issue also works seamlessly with tools you already use like InDesign, Canva, and Dropbox. Get started today with Issue for free, or if you sign up for a premium account, you will get 50% off when you go to issue.com slash podcast and use promo code PASSIONSTRUCK. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash podcast and use promo code PASSIONSTRUCK at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. That's issue.com slash podcast with promo code PASSIONSTRUCK. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Your support of our advertisers keeps the lights on around here. And I know all those codes and URLs can be tough to remember, so we will make sure we put them in the show notes. Please consider supporting those who support this show and make it possible. Now, back to Passion Struck. I want to launch into this this next part by giving a couple different examples. One would be, um, I have a 23-year-old son who tells me, and, and not being his father, just objectively looking at him, he is a really good looking guy. multi-talented, has a good job. Um, and he tells me it is almost impossible for him to find someone. So that's example one. And he, he has not used any of the dating apps. I have another friend, um, who in the area that we, we are at the business journal put out an article on him on the front page that said the Bay area's most eligible bachelor. And he went <laughs> on these dating apps and went on to tell me over a period of a year, he went on literally almost a thousand different dates. He said, sometimes he was doing four to six a night 
You said each of, he got them down to that they would last 15 minutes and he would know in 15 minutes uh, whether the person was right or not. But he went through a thousand dates. Mm -hmm. Not one of them ended up being the right person. Yes. And, and he ended up marrying a woman who the first time he met her, which was at a, a hockey game in a suite, she detested him, <laughs> could not stand him. And they ended up getting married. And then, you know, a third real life scenario is I have another friend who is on these dating apps and I'm constantly hearing from him. Oh my God, this girl is so beautiful. And then mm -hmm. they meet and it's like one thing after another happens. And I've been seeing this pattern play out um, so many times nice. that he ends up with no one. So, <laughs> you know, what, what are some of the, because I know this is an area you specialize in, what are some of the things just in those three examples that are going on for why these people can't seem or, you know, why they weren't finding the right person? Yes, yeah, really simple. Compatibility. And this is the thing that most people forget when it comes to dating. Now, compatibility is a little bit like, um, you know, going on a journey and saying, right, okay, here's the postcode or zip code, whatever you want to put. <laughs> this is where we're going. Um, uh, you know, so you're going in line with, you know, your goals and each other's goals. You also want to make sure that you're enjoying the same kind of uh, vehicle. So that's kind of your lifestyle. You've got similar lifestyles. You want to make sure that you've got similar values and beliefs, um, uh, you know, like listening to the same music together <laughs> um, and making sure that, you know, that journey together feels easy and effortless. Now, as soon as you've got two people going in totally different directions or they see the world in a completely different way or they want to do things completely differently, that's when you've got the problem because how can you emotionally invest in someone if you feel that they're not 110% on board with who you are and where you want to go. Now, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I was recently reading an article. It was on a completely different topic from relationships, but it was all about emotional dependence, mm -hmm. which, which I think is another issue that gets yeah. us as we become sometimes emotionally dependent on the exact opposite things of what we should be focusing on which may be emotional strength, so to, so to speak. Yeah, so there, there's the other side. Yes, yeah, so emotional dependency and also that level of healing is so important because what we're seeing more and more each day is codependent relationships or relationships where there's complete emotional detachment. And basically all this um, uh, comes from the way that we created our identities as a child. So between the ages of zero and seven, when we were you know, younger, we basically got taught how to act, how to show up, how to get love. And uh, we, we create this in every single scenario in our life, whether that's work, whether that's friendships, whether that's relationships. So for example, if you've got um, a child that was highly praised for being super independent, we would probably find that they're heavily independent in their relationships, heavily independent in their jobs, heavily independent in friendships. If you've got someone who's been brought up as a pleaser, you know, and they don't like to do all the washing up and be the goody two-shoes, well, guess what? In relationships, they're going to be the pleaser where they give and give and give to the point where they feel resentful. They're going to do the same in their, in their friendships. They're going to do the same at work. So it's finding out that pattern 
that you've been taught in order to get and receive love. Because everything that we've learned is basically about conditional love. Who do I need to be to be loved? And this is where we get this element of, you know, where my people turn around and go, I'm not worthy of love, or I can't be loved, or I don't feel worthy of love, or whatever it might be. So it's finding that pattern and also finding this element of independence within your identity. Because what I tend to find is in most toxic relationships, either one or both partners lose their identity or they enmesh with each other. And uh, those relationships tend to be highly toxic and highly painful for both parties involved usually. So they, they tend to be some really important areas to focus on. So, um, for example, like uh, the research that I've done, the, uh, the four main components of a healthy relationship is compatibility, communication, which is quite obvious, consideration, which is obvious, but collaboration. And this is where most people go wrong. And uh, collaboration, you have basically two individuals who are accountable for themselves. They're accountable for their emotions. They're accountable for their happiness. They're accountable for their life. They're accountable for actions, words, everything. Because only if those two people are accountable for themselves, they can collaborate together in a healthy relationship. They can problem solve together. They can build each other up. They can move the relationship in the direction that they want. But they need that self-awareness and they need that awareness of you know, their happiness and also that accountability and responsibility of themselves so they can build. So I'm okay. some different areas there. <laughs> no, and I think I think that's some great background. Um, so do you do you happen to know now how many people are are trying to meet someone um, on one of these dating apps versus a traditional way? Do you have any sense? I don't have any stats at the mix. I know so much has changed since lockdown. But what I can tell you is that people who use dating apps, so one of the reasons why you might be feeling frustrated if you're not meeting someone on there, is 51% of people who are on dating apps are actually already in relationships. And 12% of those people are married. So it's finding a way. So what I tend to do when I work with people, I go through the compatibility matrix with them them, to find out, okay, who are they actually compatible with? We build a profile of that person and we say, okay, what's the easiest way to go ahead and meet that person? So it might be going off and meeting them organically. It might be uh, meeting them on a dating site. And if it is dating sites, then it's really important to be able to portray who you really are. And that's where most people become uh, stuck because they want to try and impress everyone. And the problem is we all know we'll never be able to impress everyone. So for example, I had a client who, it's quite random actually, who was a, um, who's, yeah, priest. (laughs) And they were going, okay, do do I put a picture of me with my dog collar on or not? I was like, oh yeah, of course you do. Because you want someone who's going to accept you accept your lifestyle, accept your beliefs, accept all these different things about you. But if you miss that off your profile, people don't get to see who you really are. As being able to put that full representations of ourselves out there, but we can only do that if you feel comfortable with who you are. Yes, I, I know from a lot of friends who are on these apps, and it happens to both 
females and males, they see the picture of the other person, end up meeting them. And the picture that the person puts up there is from 10 years ago. Um, Mm -hmm. So immediately when they meet them, there's this feeling of deceit um, because they're not showing something recent. Um, But what are some of the most common mistakes that you see both men and women do on these dating apps that um, are really detrimental to them finding love? Yeah. So what I would say is there's a few different things. I I like to call them insights rather than uh, mistakes, just just because it gives us so much insight into their behavior. So, for example, if someone puts in their profile, um, I'm trying to think of the exact example, but something on the lines of don't bother messaging if you're X, Y, Z. And what we're finding there is it's someone who's, Number one, controlling or manipulative, or someone who's not emotionally available to be able to, you know, be healthy in a relationship. Because what we tend to find is they've already put their conditions in place on, you know, that relationship. The other thing is, like you were saying, being able to put a true picture of themselves on there. Because again, if you're not putting a picture on there that actually looks like you represents you. Are you someone who's actually comfortable with yourself? And, you know, that's something that's really important in relationships, especially when we look at that collaboration piece of being accountable for yourself, your emotions, your actions, all these different bits. Um, let's try and think of a few more. I mean, there's yeah, a I mean, few. Yeah, go yeah, on. Go. Yeah, I, w- I was just going to give a, a simple example. As I've had um, girls tell me they they – or on these apps and they see a person who's always got hats on, um, but the person is hiding potentially that they're bald, you know, and, and that's one of those things, whether you're a man or a woman, some people are attracted to baldness, others aren't, but that yeah. would seem like an easy one that you would want to make that apparent because you're going to attract the type of person who is attracted to baldness as, exactly. as just an, an example. Exactly. I think going back to sort of the main mistakes as well, I think one of the main mistakes that people make is looking for the external validation from people. Because the the thing that that does is it means you can only be worthy or open to love if someone says you're what you are. You know, it's only if someone gives you the compliments or someone gives you the attention And uh, this is where I find most people become really vulnerable in relationships and often with the wrong kind of people. Because, um, for example, I sort of touched on it at the very beginning, but narcissistic and psychopathic individuals have no empathy. It's been scientifically proven that the empathy part of the brain is actually underdeveloped. So what they tend to do in relationships and even in in dating scenarios is that they'll learn how to use that person almost like a resource. So it's almost like, okay, cool, I've got a pen. I I use this pen by doing this. And they look at people exactly the same way because they're not able to connect like a normal person with empathy, you know, the way they can. So it's like, you know, a normal person trying to connect to a pen. You know, it's not going to happen because, you know, the empathy is not there. So it's understanding your weaknesses and the things that you need to heal in order to feel comfortable within yourself. So also you're not going into that codependency kind of relationship as well. 
Okay. Well, I'd, I'd like to go down two different scenarios with you. Yeah. Um, one, a traditional scenario and one using a dating app. So if, if you're a, a, per, a person who is looking for someone on a dating app, what are some of the things that you do in your practice that signal out uh, whether this person on the other side is reflecting themselves genuinely? Yeah. Okay. So there's a few different things that you can look at. Um, so number one, and this one is so, so important, like this one I do genuinely believe can actually save lives, is looking at the emotional range of that person on a profile. And what I mean by emotional range is if they look like they're on a mugshot all the way through their pictures, that can signal that there's not that level of empathy or emotional intelligence there. So, um, uh, you know, yeah, it's just it's just super, super important. There's another one where if you've got someone who's afraid to either show their face, so always wearing sunglasses or wearing hats or being around lots of people in their pictures. So you have to really work out which one's which. <laughs> that can be a huge sign as well. You know, someone's not fully comfortable within themselves or they're not fully open. And it can sort of hint that they've, they've got a secretive kind of personality trait. Um, another one, let's just try and think. Another one as well is look at the, look at the kind of messages that they're sending. And what I mean by this is if they're actually um, within integrity to who they're saying they are. So, you know, if you've got someone who's going there, an avid Star Wars fan or something like that, well, okay, is there anything in their profile that's, that's sharing that or showing that? Because usually what we're looking for within profiles is that level of integrity that will prove that someone's been authentic and real. Okay. And are you more a fan of, um, the, the dating sites that do more a, you know, short description, or are you a bigger fan of the ones that ask a lot of the detailed questions, um, and kind of create a profile of what, of what the person is like? Yeah, to be honest, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. The thing, the, the most important element, so if I, could, if I could have it my way, I would get everyone to date organically. And the reason I say this is it's almost like when you're dating online, it's a little bit like, I don't know if you call them, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you call them this in the States, but it's almost like going into a jumble sale. You have to really search through things to be able to find someone who's right for you. Now, if you think about the people that are within your social circles, the reason they're in your social, your social circles is because you've got similar values or similar beliefs or similar something where you can actually relate to that person. This is why it becomes so important when you're dating that you portray who you are, because in dating sites, you don't have that. You're basing everything on looks. You're basing everything on what you see. And the worst thing is when we have those doses of like oxytocin and all the great juicy brain chemicals, we're making a, um, a conscious bias situation, you know, um, sorry, a conf yeah, sorry, confirmation bias when we're looking at those profiles. Because when we like someone or we see someone's a little bit attractive, they can actually get away with more than someone who's unattractive. 
this has actually been scientifically proven as well with the you know um, court cases and court rulings and things like that so it becomes really important to really understand what you're looking for and putting yourself in social situations where you're going to be around the kind of people who think and see things the same way as you so one question I do ask my clients is if you could talk about something for an hour or two hours or three hours um, without changing the subject, what would you talk about or what would you share? Okay, where could you meet like-minded people who also enjoy that topic? That's not to say you're going to meet the one, there's a few more steps there, but it gives you an idea of who is going to be compatible with you and why and how that's going to make that relationship easier to be able to Get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things, and Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers... According to a recent survey, saying Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash PassionStruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at passionstruck.com slash deals. Now, back to Passionstruck. To develop. Okay, great insights. Um, one last question on the dating sites. Um, mm-hmm. What is your perspective on using professional pictures versus, you know, ones that people just take of you uh, every day, walk of life? Yeah, I, th- I think it is important to be able to share the things that are most important to you so if you're highly ambitious and you really prioritize your career great use your use your career photo (laughs) if you're someone who you know really prioritizes family great show some pictures of you around family it's more about what you want people to understand about you and your personality that's the important bit because everyone's priority is going to be different and there's no one size fits all, fits all solution. It's about what you're happy to, you know, the way that you're happy to show up. Okay, great. So now I'm going to go to more of the traditional. So mm-hmm. whether it's a male or a female, they walk into a restaurant uh, before they're going to eat. They happen to see a, a, a person at the bar who appeals to them. And they're wondering, do I go up and talk to this person? Are there any keys that you have for things that they could look at, even in that short scenario? Yes, yes, there's there's loads. So usually 
<laughs> usually if you've got someone who is showing an interest in you, their feet will actually um, point in your direction. So uh, have a look at where their feet are pointing. If it's towards the bar and haven't noticed you yet, fine. If they're actually, um, if they have noticed you and they're pointing their foot at you, great, you're in there. You can literally go ahead and approach that person. It'd be really easy to go ahead and do. What we tend to look for when we are communicating with people is openness. So we want to find out how comfortable that person is with us. And the first thing that we tend to do, and this is something that um, body language expert Mark Bowden shared, and it was super, super interesting, is as soon as we feel threatened, we protect all our arteries. So we protect our main arteries with shoulders coming up. We protect our arteries down our wrists, down our arms, um, you know, our neck, you know, front of our bodies. We protect all that. So as soon as we notice that the body language is a little bit more tense than usual, we can start to see that that person's not comfortable. So the way that we can actually build up with that um, rapport is being able to ask sort of open-ended questions. And that can really help. What I mean by open-ended questions is questions starting with how, what, when, who, where. And that can help people to really open up. Because if we say something like, um, have you been here before? It's easy for people to go yes or no and shut it down. So you're making it easy for that person to really open up. And the other thing that we can do is actually open up our body language. The more open we are with our body language, the more open and more comfortable people tend to feel too. So um, there are a few little things. There's also ways that you can see if someone's attracted to you or not. Um, uh, these are quite fun. So you can see, for example, pupils dilate, so pupils get bigger if we're looking at someone that we're attracted to. Also, um, and this is this one's quite an interesting one, and nostrils flare. So if we're attracted to someone, we can actually, you know, have our pupils dilate, nostrils flare, and also our hands tend to be a lot more open to the person that we're talking to as well. Um, and the other thing is also our, tor our torsos will tilt towards that person that we, that we find attracted to. So there are a little, few little things that you can look out for when you're starting to build that rapport and to see if that person's fully open to you or not. Okay. I think those are great tidbits of advice. Um, so why is it so hard as people get older for people to commit? Mm. Okay. So why? So if I was going to say, oh, commitment, commitment's just a super interesting one. There's a few different things around commitment. And it depends on how people view it. And also it depends on a childhood patterns again. Because commitment is usually surrounding things like uh, parental meshment where their viewpoint of commitment is almost like jail. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like they've been, they've been committed, they've, their freedom's taken away and all these different things. So it's understanding, when we look at things like commitment, it's looking at what are they actually looking at committing to. So because commitment can mean so much to so many different people. 
I mean, for example, if I said to you, right, go ahead and commit to a fantastic life, we'd be like, yeah, I want to go ahead and do that. <laughs> if I say, okay, I want you to commit to one person, and if you feel absolutely miserable with them, doesn't matter, you're going to stay with them. Stop that. We'll <laughs> be like, no, I'm good, thanks, I'm off. <laughs> so it's understanding what is that, what's that word commitment actually mean to people, and what are they actually willing to commit to? Is it committing to making sure that the relationship's healthy? Is it committing to um, the, you know, the things that people, sorry, I'm thinking of the words now, committing to, you know, your partner's best interests at heart? And that could be staying in the relationship, leaving the relationship. So it's finding out what that word commitment really means to people. Because often that will give a huge insight onto what it is that's actually behind that. It causes people to go, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some ways that if you're looking to meet someone that your own body language influences the prospect that you might be interested in? Yeah, I think it's one of the best ways that you can play around with, play around with this is kind of the very simple NLP techniques. And it's called uh, matching and mirroring. And probably, you probably uh, know a lot about that. And it's basically, for people who haven't heard of this before, it's mirroring someone's body language. So if someone's got their arms crossed, great. Either cross your arms or cross your legs. And what this does, psychologically, we look at that person and go, wow, that person's thinking exactly the same as me. And that can really help. There's a few other things that you can do as well in terms of confidence. So what we tend to find is people who are the most confident have slower movements. And that, that can work really well because when we look at someone who's confident, we look at someone who uh, we can trust basically because confidence is all about the way that we trust ourselves without going too deep into it. <laughs> um, so slow movements copying someone's body language, and also look at what people are saying. Because what we tend to do when we're listening to what people are saying and we mimic back what people are saying, that can allow us to feel more closer in terms of that conversation and building up that connection. And the way you do this is um, basically an echo technique. And you can literally repeat the last three words or the last few words of what someone says and it builds up that rapport so beautifully with someone with absolute ease without you thinking, okay, what have I got to say next? Okay, great advice. Um, I was recently talking to a friend of mine, um, AJ Vaden, um, and one of the things uh, she and her husband own a personal branding company. And one of the things that they have discovered is that 70% of people look favorably on you if you have a personal brand. And mm -hmm. the reason being is if they do a search for you, um, there's immediate credibility that you have a public persona and that you need to maintain some level of whatever it is, dignity or something else because of the image that, that you have with that branding. Um, is that something you found at all in, in your work? Well, it's quite funny, actually. I started out with a, 
the company title. So I, I actually operate under Love with Intelligence. And the reason why I started that is because I started my business quite young. And most people would look at a, at a uh, business and, and, sorry, look at a 25-year-old and go, well, what does she know about <laughs> <laughs> relationships and dating? So um, I think there is a lot to say around, you know, when you're showing up, in the public eye and you are sharing your truth there's this level of integrity again you know you're you're sharing the truth of who you are to people so i do think that people who do show up with that personal brand and show up within their business or however it might be there is that level of them sharing that element of who they are but yeah i'm sort of the trust of trying to sort of think of it in more of a dating context context I think the thing is as well with with personal brands you're only showing people so much of who you are as well it's, it's more about what's in line with the brand so you might not get the full scope of that person um uh, but almost like it's almost like when you go to work in corporate or um that professional kind of thing you show people what's acceptable in that environment and it's very different to, you know, the way that you show up in an office is going to be very different to the way that you show up within family, friends and all those different things. So, um, yeah, I, I think that'd be one that I sort of have to sort of take away and have a little more, bit more of a think about. I've <laughs> <So, laughs> never been asked that before. But I think it's more about you show different aspects of who you are in different environments. Okay. Um, how about this one? Um, what questions shouldn't you ask on a first date <laughs> so i i would personally say that when most people go wrong on a first date is they look at that person like oh my gosh i'm gonna marry them and they ask all these very intimate questions like how many kids do you want and all this all these different things the thing that's really important with the first date is actually asking questions where you can find out if you've got common ground with someone and if you can find that, if you can really fully connect. So anything that's um, that's overly deep or you're sharing too much about your ex-partners or whatever it might be, that's where people start to go wrong. Because what people are looking for is sort of approval and acceptance or a way to reject someone. So uh, which, you know, is important in dating, but it's more important to find that connection first. Okay, I think there's a lot of a lot of truth to that. I mean, it could be such a if you like going to live music events, and that's a huge part of who mm -hmm. you are, you know, finding out, for instance, does the other person like live music? Do they yeah. even like we talked about before the genre of music? Because if they're a huge country fan and you can't stand country music, um, yes. <laughs> that's that could be a showstopper right there for some people. Yeah. Um you know, do you like sports? Do you not like sports? Someone who is that type who wants to go to hockey games, football matches, et cetera, paired with someone who could care less um, and is all about the arts, um, which the other person is not. I mean, these are these are clear signs to me of, of things that you want to determine, you know, what is that compatibility like? Yes, it's basically finding out, can the conversation flow with ease? 
because not being funny once you've got through the the questions of you know all the crazy deep questions like ex-partners and all the rest of it there's only so much of that you can talk about but if there's things that you're actually going to enjoy talking about like you know common interest in country music or something like that you know you've got that common ground no matter what okay so how about this one uh, a client comes to you and they say i feel like all i do is keep meeting one jerk after another. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with me? <laughs> because I think a lot of times we we kind of put that blame on ourselves yeah. instead of, you know, I think it gets, I don't know what your answer is going to be, but I, I think it's you're looking for the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> the- and it, it literally boils back down to this level of identity. Because what tends to happen is we're replaying something um, from our childhood out into the type of partners and people that we accept in our lives. So, for example, if you're someone, um, if you were the child who always fell over and that's the way you got love, you know, kind of that victim mentality where you can end up in a relationship where you don't have a voice, you're stuck and you're, you're playing out that victim role. Or if you're someone who's a pleaser, you know, you didn't want to say no to that person who wants to take you on a date and suddenly you're married to them. that's how that that kind of plays out so it's all about understanding what your patterns were and the way that you used to get you know get love as a child and one of the things I tend to ask people is whose love did you crave more as a child your mum or your dad's and it's not so much about you know which parent it was but often there isn't a certain parent and it's usually question, you know, she usually answers like, oh yeah, I'm a mum because uh, she wasn't emotionally available or, you know, this, that and the other. And from here, you can start to understand the, the childhood trauma that's playing out in all these different ways where people are trying to replay that dynamic to fix it. And that's where this, that's where you start to um, find these patterns because they're attracting people very similar to the dynamic that they're trying to fix as a child in order to feel like they can fix it as an adult. Okay. And, and I don't think I can have a conversation with a dating coach without bringing up, um, what is it, the five different types of of what are they? Love personalities or I love languages, right? Love languages. <laughs> are, are you, are you a believer in this or not? Because it, I, I no. am, I am, because I think there is, um, it, it's, it's cringy. We do love in different ways. And often usually I find in relationships that aren't working as well as they could be, it's usually because they're not seeing the signs where they are loved and they're not being communicated in ways where they're loved. Um, and this is something that my partner and I have also worked on. I love words of affirmation, physical touch. My partner is more of acts of service. So, um, you know, I'll be sitting there and um, randomly getting cups of tea every now and again. And, I, and But then feeling pissed off because he hasn't said he, he loves me or something like that. <laughs> but in his way, he's already, you know, he's already communicated that. So it's finding out the dynamics of how, you know, what you actually need in order to feel loved, because that's so important and everyone feels that love differently. And also how you can bring that into relationship naturally with these two. Okay. Well, I remember, I remember um, one of the things I constantly would hear when I was in, 
England and going on the tube was mind the gap. So, so if you have these dispersed love languages and you're trying to close that gap, you know, what's some advice people can do? Because I think that is one of the biggest issues that people have in relationships is one person is, you know, all the way over here in their love language. The other person is over here and they're not getting what they need because the, because the one person tends to love the way that they want love and the other person is oftentimes doing the same thing. Exactly, exactly. So there's different things that you can do in different dynamics. So one of the things that um, that we do, and I've recommended other couples to go ahead and do, is we'll do the three loves in the morning. And the three loves are basically what you love about yourself, what you love about your partner, and what you love about the day. And it's very simple because it gives you that words of affirmation. So great for people with words of affirmation. Other things that you can do. So one that's really important to a lot of people is quality time. Plan it. (laughs) Say, when are you going to have your quality time? And what does quality time mean for you? Because quality time can mean, you know, having a conversation or it can mean, um, you know, sitting down and watching Netflix together or having a meal together. So it's finding ways that you can have that fulfilled daily, but in a way that feels comfortable for both of you. And that's really important. It's that collaboration piece again. Yeah, I, I think we are in a society where we are growing more and more in this sense of being on autopilot. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to do the same things, you know, on weekends, you tend to do the same activities, you tend to go to the same places. And there's a lot of spontaneity that I think is, is missing. Um, at, at least from what I'm observing. And I think to your, your point, the more you can do things that kind of get out of that normal pattern and get you to be conscious of the other person. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I think when you're doing the, the normal things, you're more in this mode of convenience instead of being engaged and you're engaging on more of a subconscious level than, you know, doing things that are different or unique, which would be a new experience for both of you that could get you to engage more on a conscious level between the two of you. Um, yeah. So things like date nights, planning a date night once a week or every two weeks or something like that can be such a great way. And I think the other thing as well, because you, you have like two different ways. You have, you know, people who become so emo- so meshed and codependent, or you have the couple that literally live their separate lives together. And the funny thing is you want to get that sweet spot in the middle, where it's like you've still got your own life, you've still got your own interests, your own circle of friends, and then you've got your life with your partner. And it gives you what will happen if you hit that sweet spot. It means that you still keep your identity. And also you still have that space to be desired as well in the relationship. Because what we tend to find is relationships that tend to become stagnant is usually because there's not enough space. And space in a relationship is so freaking important. Like I said, in in terms of keeping your own identity, keeping accountable for your own happiness, all these different things, and then being able to show up in that relationship from a place that's fulfilled and also resourceful. Because if you're burnt out, if you're exhausted and you're turning up to that relationship with, you know, nothing left in the tank, well, you're not going to be able to enjoy anything at that point, especially a relationship. So it's yeah, I mean, 
And I, I mean, I'll share just a personal example. As you know, when I was in my marriage, which lasted for a long time, um, my ex-wife didn't want me to do really anything with my friends. So there was no, you know, meeting up with a friend for a drink for half hour and then coming home or mm -hmm. very little, you know, your alone time to pursue your dreams and aspirations. And I'll, I'll tell you what at least happened to me is after a while, you, you just emotionally start going stir crazy because you're not getting that outlet for what you need on your own, because there's only so much of that you're going to get in the work environment. Um, and, and yes, family life and being around the kids and everything like that is extremely important and you need to spend time there. But if you're not doing things that ignite, you know, kind of that inner drive, it, it is going to, in the long run, have very detrimental impacts. Meaning if you can't find ways to play as an adult in the way that you need yes. to play, it starts impacting you physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you know, down the line. Yes, exactly. And I think this is a thing, you know, you look at, um, you know, rom-coms and films and all these different things, it, they create this very unrealistic um, element of what a relationship should be. <laughs> and, uh, you know it's like you get these sayings like oh you know your relationship it should complete you and all these different things and it's like well no you need that space and the other thing with family as well is you're also teaching your children the type of relationship that's healthy which they're going to go ahead and have in their future too okay well i'm gonna ask you a couple of fun fun questions not mm -hmm. any anything to do with uh, what we've been talking about the first one is, what is your most ridiculous college memory? College memory. Oh, gosh. Listen, ridiculous college memory. Probably being invited to um, an 18th birthday party. And um, uh, my friend's mum was a little bit wild and she decided to invite a stripper. I mean, that was, um, you know, being quite prudish back then as well, that was freaking terrifying and horrific <laughs> <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> what are five things that you can't live without Ooh. five things so we're talking like objects or we're talking it could be anything anything oh my gosh that's really tough I know most people would say sex, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I I would say, oh gosh, that is really tough. I would say, I'll say, I don't know whether you can keep people in there or not. This is like really, really tough because obviously I want to say my partner, my dog, love the countryside, chocolate. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, it's really tough. The chocolate's definitely in there. Um, <laughs> oh, gosh. And I would just say, like, something to be able to learn. I freaking love being able to learn stuff. Like, you know, like, whether it's body language, whether it's anything to do with psychology. Yeah, so books or something like that, maybe. Okay. Um, and so one of your fellow countrymen has put on a great late night show here where he does um car karaoke 
So right. if you were if you were sitting in your own car doing karaoke or at a bar or in your shower, what's your favorite song to belt out? Oh gosh. Now, this is gonna be proper cringing because I, I have actually belt, belted this out in a karaoke bar and it was um, Alone by Heart. And I even did the whole, you know, in, you know the, 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 the screaming bit in the instrumental part, I probably went for it. <laughs> so. Well, if you're gonna do it, you gotta go for it, right? Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> okay, and the last one is, what's your personal motto or advice that you live by? Ooh, life is what you make it. Okay. Mm. Well, I, well, I think I just gave the listeners five questions that they could ask on a first date. <laughs> Good <laughs> questions. <laughs> um, so with that said, um, I, I always like to give the guest a chance to, to tell people how they can be found. And of course, I'll put this in the show notes. Um, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, best place would be um, our website. So that's lovewithintelligence.com. We've got loads of resources. So you can find our compatibility matrix and things like that on there. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, um, all under Love With Intelligence. Okay, well, I really enjoyed our conversation today. And I think the audience is going to get a lot out of this episode. Thank you, Lily so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Man, such an interesting episode. Lily gave some great advice on not only how do you attract the right partner, but how, and probably more importantly, do you ensure that you're compatible with them? Such great information from Lily. I hope you put it to use. And of course, I will put some links to books on body language and profiling in the show notes. Now let's give a shout out to our fan of the week, Kenzie Graceland from Canada. And Kenzie wrote, it is a great podcast for the world. There are a lot of important things that have been said in this podcast. In my opinion, there is so much logic that is unpacked. Nice to meet the host on this podcast and I'm looking forward to listening to so many more episodes. Thank you, Kenzie, so much for that great rating and endorsement. We appreciate it so much, and they mean so much to our growing movement of having passion go viral to people across the world. All of the books that I put in the show notes help to support the show. There is also a video of this episode going up on our YouTube channel at John R. Miles. We also have cuts and clips that we also put on that YouTube channel. And now I recently put my favorite books and those books from our guests on the Passionstruck website at passionstruck.com slash books. Go check them out. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. Now go out there and get Passionstruck. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral. And we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need to unlock your hidden potential. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the Passionstruck podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast at. And if you absolutely love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes and you sharing it with three of your most growth-minded friends so they can post it as well to their social accounts and help us grow our Passionstruck community. If you'd like to learn more about the show, 
and our mission, you can go to passionstruck.com where you can sign up for our, our newsletter, look at our tools, and also download the show notes for today's episode. Additionally, you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday for even more inspiring content. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and step into your sharp edges. Thank you again for joining us. 